0: Hey buddies, you're thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, the world has still gone nutty, buddy, buddy, even downright cruddy, buddy, buddy. Wish I missed the past, buddy, buddy, but there's still BuddyCast. No, don't be naughty, go meet it, buddy, here on buddy Cast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Feel the rhythm.
1: Feel the rhyme.
0: (laughs) BuddyCast, it's podcast time.
1: (laughs) Yes. Great theme song. Oh, my God. I love it. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I actually had it made here locally because, you know, all the local artists and stuff are you know, kind of taking a hit during the pandemic. So, uh, and I wanted it local. I want this to be like, as you know, I want this to be my hometown podcast. So I reached right. out to a guy. He played the first two notes and I'm like, that's exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> thank you. It's, so it's very catchy. Thank you. Thank you. And it gives people that warm buddy-like feeling in the beginning, you know? Exactly. Yes. So welcome to all my buddies. You know me, I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. And joining me today is a very, very special buddy. If you've seen the movie Cool Runnings, you know him as Sanka. You dead, man? My buddy, Dougie Doug.
1: Hey, Nick. How are you, my friend?
0: I'm doing great. How are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm uh, doing great.
0: Awesome. Glad to have you on this show. So, you know, I grew up watching watching Cool Runnings, and it was it always makes me laugh, even to this day. So... And I will say, Senka was my favorite character out of it all. So, mm-hmm. I'm sure he was yours as well.
1: So. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I got
0: to start by asking, how did you, how did you find the role of Senka? How did you find the role on Cool Runnings?
1: How, how did it come to my attention? Or... Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I was. Uh, I had a television show on ABC called Where I Live, and it was shot on the Disney lot. And uh, someone brought it to my attention that Disney was going to do a movie about the Olympic uh, Jamaican bobsled team. And so I was sent a couple of scripts, um, and uh, but they were all dr- dramatic stories. There was no comedy in them. And I met with a couple of directors that were attached to the project. And then it just went away. Uh, and then the last incarnation of the sc- screenplay I read was a comedy and I'm like, ah, this will work, you know and uh mm-hmm. so that's uh when you know the ball started rolling in terms of casting and it happened pretty rapidly mm mm-hmm.
0: now i got to ask let's let's backtrack to the beginning what led you to go into the acting in the first place like what led you to become want to become an actor
1: i stumbled on acting kind of accidentally you know i've always been in, had an interest in in media and Film and television. Always been interested in behind the scenes, and I was fascinated with it as a kid. I don't know why. Maybe it was just faded, but um, I started as a stand-up comic, and uh, so mm-hmm. I was just I was just being a stand-up comic, and um, and as a result, there were certain opportunities. I guess they were looking for comedic actors, and I got and I just happened very early on to just catch. Fire and just uh, get casted in a lot of different movies and stuff, um, and 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 I got an opportunity to get a television show. It was called okay. the New Music, the New Music Report. It was like a local, uh, it was a syndicated show on NBC that was uh, interviewing music guests. And from there, some a, a producer from Disney saw me and said, "Oh, you know, I'd like to get in, work with that guy." And so I ended up getting a development deal, and that's how I got my TV show, and that's how I got on the Disney lot. And so it all kind of spiraled like that.
0: Nice. Now, did yeah. I hear correctly? You are a stand up comedian?
1: Yes, yes. I started awesome. as a stand
0: comedian. Awesome. From one uh, practicing stand up comedian to one real
1: comedian. Yeah, no, you no, know. no. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a fraternity. Like, yes. You know, people don't know, you know mm-hmm. we're, bond- we're bonded in humiliation. <laughs> yes it's an occasional success
0: exactly right. i still remember i still remember starting out like my first few open mics the first one was a disaster the second one <laughs> i finally got the room laugh
1: so right. nothing mm-hmm. nothing better than that
0: exactly hey mm-hmm. a bad day of comedy is better than a good day at the office you know
1: that's the truth
0: yes yes so going back to the cool runnings i gotta ask this what was it like working with John Candy?
1: It was great working with John. I mean, he was a very warm, very kind person. He, uh, from the very start, was very invested in the movie for the movie's sake. You know, it wasn't like sometimes you work with people in movies and, you know, they're clearly there. they're they're phoning it in, they're there for the check, <laughs> you know, which I, I'm mm-hmm. not against that. I'm just saying that he was very clearly invested in the story. He was uh, rallying us and getting us together to understand, uh, get us to understand our our significance, you know, because it's an, it's essentially a an ensemble movie. So, you know, he needed all of us to feel like we could step up to the plate and be equals, basically, which is basically what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. So he was very clear about that, even though the production sometimes wasn't interested in us as equals, but John certainly was, you know. That's awesome. He's a great advocate.
0: That's what I'd like to hear. You know, he seems like that guy. He seems like that genuine guy, not just that like actor who on the screen that smile and wave and acts like that, and then off the screen, you know, like just you know, what are you doing in my trailer? What do you? <laughs>
1: no. Yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't have been sweeter, really. As a awesome. matter of fact, he was. So, he was so sweet, it was kind of shocking. I was just like, okay, <laughs> stop <laughs> hugging me so tight. You know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> he, he took uh, us, took me to my first uh, hockey game, the Calgary Flames, and he's a sports guy. You know, he's a, he's just a just a sweet sweet man.
0: Yes, that reminds me of a funny scene. Have you? Um, he has that movie Canadian Bacon, and they're at yes. the hockey game. I don't know. All oh, I have to say is their beer sucks. All of a sudden, the entire stadium freezes and looks at him.
1: <laughs> right. right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs>
0: Now, in Cool Runnings, have you actually met the real Jamaican bobsled team? Did you meet anyone from them? or
1: I met, I met uh, one of the uh, bobsledders. Um, uh, his name is uh, – what the heck is his name? Anyway, I met one of the guys. Um, Devin Harris is his name. Uh, and uh, I also met the coach, who I actually uh, – I met up with him in uh, Utah, um and he took me to, on a bobsled run. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It was great. Nice. What
0: was it like being in the bobsled? Like what was it actually like? Was that you or was that a was that like a stunt coordinator or something?
1: Yeah. Or- well we we pushed the sled, you know, but then we got, you know, we stopped. But then it
0: was but then a stunt team took over from exactly, there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What was it like when you went in the bobsled when you were with the coach?
1: Um, when I oh wow, when I went down an actual run, it was yeah. uh, very uh, exhilarating, but also a little scary <laughs> because because you know you first of all you only hear about how much force there is. It, you cannot imagine really how much force that, that 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 is going to smack you in the face when you go down a bobsled. <laughs> I was like, oh wow, I, they said something like. Three or four Gs of force. So it's like you know, it's like uh, skydiving. <laughs> you know, it's like it's, like, it's a oh, thrill. You know. Yeah.
0: So it was actually like in the movie. So it was actually like in the movie when um, when John Candy's explaining to the to the people what the bobsled is like during the whole film and everything.
1: Yes, that is <laughs> very accurate. I thought it was just jokes, but no, it's, that, that's it. <laughs> You're just backing, remember, you're swinging, you're, the, you
0: know, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> just remember, your bones don't break in a bobsled. No, 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 <laughs> they shatter.
1: It's true. Yes, yes. Yeah, you could, you see, you see the potential for great danger. You know. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: one wrong turn and it could be curtains.
1: Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. So, in the movie, what was your favorite scene to that you when you were making the movie? What was your favorite scene that just you the most laughs, or had the most fun for you?
1: Um, the, the scene I enjoyed the most was the when we were in the bar fight mm-hmm. in the in the country and western yes uh, place. I think I liked it because it wasn't the fight that was fight was fun, but what I liked it because I just enjoyed the line dancing and learning the line dancing. <laughs> And the people that were there, you know, they were really invested in line dancing. You know, this is their, you know, part of their culture and what they do. And so it was just nice to see their that, their enthusiasm. And they were, I don't even know if they knew, like, what this movie was. But they were just, this is an opportunity for us to do great line dancing. <laughs> so I just went with it, you know, like, okay, cool. Yeah. Urban Cowboy with Jamaicans in it. Like, let's do it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know I know a lot of them were like, This is the weirdest concept for a movie ever, you know. And I was just like, yeah. nah, and then whatever, you know, let's just do it. You know?
0: Exactly. It that spark. just re- that just reminded me of the see- of the part in that scene. I see pride. <laughs> I see power. Yeah. Yes. And he walks on and he's like, Wait, where are you going? <laughs> exactly. Oh. So in the movie how? What lessons did you learn from Sanka, or how can you relate to your character, would you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, I learned that uh, from that character, or at least what I felt is that the, the character was much more complex than he appeared, you know. And, uh, you know, he had a jovial nature. He was very, he was along for the ride, you know, he's fun-loving. But also he had a profundity to the to him. he had a depth deepness to him, and so when he had the opportunity to communicate very clear ideas about how they should approach uh their uh their sportsmanship, you know they should maintain their identity and authenticity mm-hmm. Jamaican style like that i I found that to be a a very powerful character you know some and I, and I i thought about that going forward like about people in general that have a persona where they're just uh, you know very uh gregarious and upbeat but then the, it, people tend to believe that they don't have depth and stuff like that so i like that character because he had the opportunity to reveal that there was more going on under the dreadlocks <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep that that was a powerful scene. I will say that. The scene of, look, I can be, I'm only me. And the best I can be is Jamaican. Enough mm. about this Swiss stuff. Enough about this whole, you know, just I, let me be me. Let me be Jamaican.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And that's what we need to be because a million times we're trying to be these people. We're trying to be the best employees. We're trying to be, you yeah. know, the best, you know, like we're trying to impress someone. We're trying to just, we exactly. just need to be ourselves.
1: That's it. And that's enough, you know. Exactly. John Gandy says in the movie, and I think it's true. You know, if you're not, if 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 you're not enough before you win or whatever it is, you'll never be enough. Like you have to be. He says it in a whole other way. You know, you're you're yourself. You know, be yourself. Mm-hmm. I be mean, and you're always be a champion. What, yeah, and I think that's part of what's what's beautiful about human beings is is the uniqueness and the diversity and the differences, and that is what makes life. Interesting. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm.
0: like I always say as a little person, yes, I know I stand out of a crowd wherever I go. But I can yeah. either, like like if you've ever seen The Lion King, like my good friend Rafiki says, you can either run from it or learn from it.
1: Exactly. It's very true. It's mm-hmm. Very. True. And I can't run from it. I think the people that embrace themselves are, to me, among the most beautiful people on Earth. Mm-hmm. And they and people have a tendency to embrace them because they embrace themselves.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Why run from it? Why run? Why spend your whole yeah. life running and just hiding when you can yeah. just be you? It's so much easier.
1: So much easier. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Now you also have been on not one but two episodes of Sesame
1: Street. Yes.
0: What was that experience like?
1: Um. It was a. It was a very surreal experience because I obviously you, you spent I spent my formative years watching Sesame Street and then so to be on Sesame Street it was one of those really special so busy kind of moments where you're like wow you know um and then I had to, you know and I I taught I was very important in in terms of the arc of Sesame Street because I taught I went I took Elmo on his first uh haircut got his first haircut and I taught Elmo to read so those are very you know those are very you know Elmo being a preschool character you yeah, know they were it was fortunate to use me like that so that I could be able to you know be there during pivotal moments of of his development and of course vis-a-vis the audience you know they what they're trying to achieve uh so I felt really honored like wow and I I thought it was i really thought it was sort of like can you get somebody else to do this <laughs> like cuz <'cause, laughs> why would you want to waste this very important moment on me? And, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did it and it was, it was wonderful, man. And they obviously, you know, that show is very informed, you know, they're very yes. informed about childhood development and the needs of children, et cetera. So they're not faking it. <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: <laughs> no. And you and me were talking off air earlier. One of my goals is to hopefully get Sesame Street to introduce a character of dwarfism because, yes. like you said, it helps with the development. It helps with the fact that kids can learn. Like, I know, I forgot to tell you this story. I My grandmother worked with someone who came to America. I can't remember where he came from, but he was very, he picked up English very quickly. And my yeah. grandmother asked, how did you do it? Like, how did you, you know, you just came here X amount of, you know, X amount of years ago, how'd you pick up English so fast? And he said, I learned from Sesame Street because I was able to keep up with the pace. Exactly. I was able to you know, it wasn't one of those shows that's talking like a million miles an hour with the kids trying to understand. Exactly. Exactly like the letter of the day is B. Here's the sound that B makes. Or so right. and so That's
1: right. That's right. It's uh it's uh paced for learning, you know, and it has, and it and it and engages in what they refer to in education as repetition and resonance. So it's not only do you do they do it slowly, but then they repeat it so that you can really get it and move on to the next letter. Like that, you know, you know, it's mm-hmm. so it, very cool.
0: Yes. And you're and right, I, they repeat things. I like like they'll idea. always do the callback.
1: Yep. And I like mm-hmm. your idea. I think it's a you know another slice of humanity uh that is underrepresented. Um I always say not that dwarfism is, is is a disability, but I always say that um people in that category um that is the largest minority group you know is people that uh that are uh differently able so to speak um not that dwarfism mm-hmm. able i mean obviously you're able to do anything anybody else can do, but uh people have a tendency Just in a different way yeah, in a different way, that's it so
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That that there needs to be much more as we engage in a discussion about uh, all the kinds of people in the neighborhood. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I am very eager to get into that, and I have tried to over the years try to engage people on that topic, um, particularly in in, um, in uh, na- narrative fiction. You know, like television shows, and mm-hmm. I just always wonder why not? Like, why aren't we? I, why isn't there more? of this kind of representation it just you know it mm-hmm. silly yeah and that was
0: actually my yep that was actually my senior thesis was dwarfism <laughs> in the media explaining wow. how like yeah explaining how the the media can be used for good and bad reasons when it comes to dwarfism you know there's the you good reasons like if we got i do do you want me to send it to
1: you? To it to me? Yeah, I would love to read yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So,
0: so my theory is, you know, the, you know, dwarfism can be used in the media good and bad ways. Good like Sesame Street. If Sesame Street decides to put on a character with dwarfism, then that's getting kids to learn. That's getting mm-hmm. kids to understand. But it can mm-hmm. also be used in the negative way. Like how many comedic movies, you know, and I say that with the apostrophe is comedic. Do you see a little person getting tossed across a room, or you know, uh, kicked, used as a prop? Basically, that's true. But how many people? How many people are getting their source of education from that? You know,
1: exactly. Because not also, a of not, also an implicit endorsement of, of uh anti-social behavior towards a group, mm-hmm. targeting the group. You know, mm-hmm. not
0: good. Exactly, because like, how many people are getting their source of information from that one thing? You know, you may think it's silly that like someone thinks that, you know, another human being just because they're a foot smaller than you means that they can be treated differently or something like that. Like treated like, you know, as a joke or something. But, you know, um, one point that I made in my thesis is, you know, for a mature adult, you may think it's, you know, they may have the thinking capabilities of, okay, this is just a comedy movie. This is just nothing, you know. This is not. This isn't how we treat people, but let's throw in a factor here. Let's throw in the factor of alcohol. If alcohol can make you think that you can drive home when you can't even see straight, you know, what is it going to do when you see a little person on the street that's a foot smaller than you or something, and you know, you just saw that movie an hour ago, you know?
1: Yeah, I think that also it um, casts the the. Person who's a, you know, who has dwarfism, they cast them um, without uh, recognition of the inner life. Um, and so it's like, okay, what happens to this person after they've been humiliated? Mm hmm. You now, people don't, there's no second scene. No. You know, there's just a scene of the humiliation. And then now we're off to mm-hmm. our next subject, which is profoundly dis- dismissive of of the inner life of a human being you know mm-hmm. so we're not we're we not taking an interest no in in what happens you know this is the problem i think
0: you know mm-hmm.
1: you know people are being taught okay you're this p- person is a source of amusement and that's it
0: exactly
1: so, yes
0: exactly and they don't take into account how is this going to translate into real life How is this going to be you and me? Like, how is this, you know, you may think that it's a comedy, but again, how many times is someone going to walk on the street intoxicated and say, I saw you in a movie once and think it's socially acceptable to walk up to me as a complete stranger in public, pick me up. And, and sometimes those things can be detrimental too. Like my girlfriend has achondroplasia, which is the most common form of dwarfism. And so she's, you know, she's smaller than me. And if someone picks her up, she had back surgery in 2018. She still deals with the effects today. She still deals with, she still like, she can't sit for long periods of time. She can't, you know, stand, she has to lay down at some point in the day. So if someone picks her up, you know, lifts her in the air, even if they just pick her up and she's two feet off the ground or something, if something happens that they drop her, it could be detrimental. It could be, it could be life-threatening because- when it comes to dwarfism and surgery, you have to count in all the all these factors, you know? You have to count in, like, how long a person's under, how much um, anesthesia you give them, all this other stuff that, and especially if something happens to, like, our bone structures or our back, it's not like, you know, you and me, we break a bone. Like, we break something in our leg or arm. For you, it's something as simple as go in, move this bone here, wrap it up, put you in a cast, you're better in six to nine weeks. Just don't do anything crazy, you know? For me, it could be like putting a jigsaw puzzle together, one piece at a time, where if one piece is out of line, restart, have to restart everything, you know? Mm. And like when you're Kind of like when you're entering your password and you think you just entered the wrong letter, but you don't know which one it is, so now you have to delete the entire password, kind of yes. like that, except more serious, you know?
1: Thanks for explaining that to me. That's a very yeah. eloquent way of describing I? what's at stake.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm always happy to pass along education when I can.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: never be afraid to reach out and ask.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. Now, buddy, I've got three questions for you that I ask all my buddies that come on this show.
1: <laughs> Good.
0: The first one is, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy?
1: Um, it means to several things. I'd say initially it means... To as we have been discussing, to take an interest in their whole life, not just a part of it. Uh, secondly, it's about sustaining affection, even when a person doesn't behave well, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or at their highest. Let's say, you know, there's a certain level of commitment that you have to a buddy that you don't have to just anybody, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, thirdly, I think it's. Uh, you know, about responding when, when a person is in need, Mm -hmm. you know, those are, that's, to me, that's what makes up a buddy. You know,
0: exactly. I love that. I love that. Now part of being a buddy is being a charitable buddy. So Mm -hmm. if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what would it be and why?
1: Um, I would have the audience donate to St. Jude's, uh, Children's Hospital uh, because uh, I don't think as a parent, I don't think there's anything more excruciating than a child who has a a medical issue that they require sustained medical attention. It's obviously very costly. St. Jude's uh, uh, supports families and doesn't have anybody pay anything. Um, And so I think that that, that we should support them and in, in as they as they uh, step in the gap and support families in need. So I would ask for people to do that.
0: Love it, absolutely love it. I love how you put your heart into it. It's not just yeah, I'll just give it to St. Jude, you know, whatever. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you have reasoning. So now this is what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Are you ready for this? Yes. All righty. I'm going to split this into two parts for you. The first part is, what is Senka's advice to the world today?
1: Wow. I've actually thought about this quite a bit. And uh, Senka's advice would be to take it easy, man. Take it easy because all of the stress and aggravation, the social dislocation, the uh, lack of positive stimulus because people are mired in, in, uh, in despair, that you know the general advice is to stay positive but in order to stay positive one has to recognize one's limits because if you exceed your limits you can become very frustrated and so frustrated people end up hurting other people and so my recommendation would be take tea, <laughs> and, uh, it easy man and recognize your limits and and stay positive you know Take it easy.
0: Recognize your limits, and kiss the lucky egg.
1: Kiss the lucky egg, my friend. <laughs> you still have that egg by chance? Or? I do. I do. It's it's actually rubber, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I'll never part with that. You know. <laughs> yep, I wouldn't.
0: <laughs> so the second piece of advice is for anyone who wants to become an actor that's watching this um, stream right now. What is your advice to them?
1: Um, my advice would be the same advice I would I would give anyone, which is that if you're passionate about it, uh, that you should study, you know, you should study, you should get in an environment where other people, serious people are pursuing it seriously and uh, and give it a try. And you have a period of time initially where you give your whole heart to it and just give it a try. And then you'll see the rest will take care of itself. If you really, really want it, then uh, you have to first expose yourself to what it in- entails, and then if you still want it, then it's for you.
0: Mm-hmm. You want something, go get it. Period.
1: Yeah. yeah. Hmm. you dead man? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so you know how we have to close out this show, buddy? Yeah. How? First, I think we have to do the, the- we have to do the song.
1: Okay, no problem.
0: And then if you don't mind, just a little like freestyling from the movie, like some lines from the movie, you know? Sure. Alrighty. So let's begin.
1: No people say you know they can't believe. Jamaica, gotta have a bobsled team. No people say you know they can't believe. Jamaica, gotta have a bobsled team. They have the one there is.
0: Anyone, Anyone, Junior,
1: you will and on the
0: man. <laughs> the fastest of the, the fastest of the making.
1: Go to Olympics, Olympics and fight for Jamaica. America. You're listening to the world's greatest pushcart driver in all of Jamaica. Me, Sanka. Feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. Get on up. It's buddy podcast time with Nick. Cool runnings. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I am clipping that and using that in my intro. (laughs) Uh, Well, buddy, it was an honor and a great pleasure to talk with you. Stick around for stick around for a minute afterwards. If you have a minute, we'll chat, but good for all my buddies out there. This is my new buddy, Dougie Doug, you know, catch him on the movie. Cool runnings. You won't regret it. It's one of my favorite movies and Doug. Thanks for being a buddy on BuddyCast.
1: You're very welcome, buddy.
0: I have one favor to ask you before we end the show. Mm -hmm. Go be someone's buddy today. Will do. All We'll catch you all next time here on Jamaica's favorite podcast, (laughs) BuddyCast.
1: (laughs) When the days are going fast, buddy, buddy with a... Got to make them laugh, buddy, buddy.
0: Before they've all gone past, buddy, buddy. Tune in to Buddy Cast. But don't be naughty, but make everybody yeah, here on Buddy Cast.